Rogers almost going to fall for Martinez. Antonov trying to get there. Martinez finishes to give away the match. It's an absolute peach from the Paraguayan, Miguel Almiron. Atlanta United in just their second year of existence have won MLS Cup. Fashion Final JCM Jones from the Mothership and Dirty South Soccer. Jeff Patrick from 90.9 The Game and Dirty South Soccer is over there. Kurt Castle was over there with the intro. That's his song. Chances. Joe, we are tired. Ooh, it's a struggle bus today. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I'm blaming the Braves personally because they mm. had me stressed out up late last night worrying about my boys, Max Fried and Christian Pache, both with injuries. Sad. But uh, anyway, yeah, I mean, and also it was just a very very weird game. I, I, obviously, we're going to talk about it here in a bit, but uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a weird morning. You know, I I think I just have post game hangover. I was actually there, which was good. I, I it wasn't quite the same as normal. Of course, we weren't even in the press box. We were hiding out behind the goal on on the left side. If you were looking at your TV broadcast, but it was there, and it, it didn't really hit me that I was even really out of thing. I guess until Jurgen Dam finally scores to make it one nothing in the ninety first minute uh the crowd was was loud there was noise and i was like oh yeah this is this is how this works <laughs> yeah it was noticeable i mean it was noticeable on the broadcast you can just hear people i don't know if you will have i'm interested to hear from you about this but like at braves games especially recently when things have not been so great and it's not like a constant buzz of the crowd it's like you can hear individual <laughs> like individual comments mm-hmm. or <laughs> shouts it's, it's to the weird field. yeah and that's exactly what's missing is that regular hum Mm -hmm. you know you just can kind of you can hear a little too much a little too much (laughs) and when you're that close like you are at Kennesaw sometimes you hear sounds like Ezekiel Barco kicking the ball right into a dude's head from 10 yards away (laughs) on a free kick and you go oh god oh no you hear the sound of flesh uh being (laughs) smacked by dude I thought I would have died I would have just exploded right on the spot it did not look fun (laughs) but the game overall was was mostly fun to an extent I think think like i said it was good to to be among a crowd of of some sort but i think everyone kind of came away from that one going okay this was not the step forward we thought it could potentially be not that we were expecting but what it could potentially be from last week it kind of seems like not a step back but just kind of maybe still figuring some things out yeah for sure i mean i think everybody was so excited by what they saw from the team in the previous game in the first leg i think that just even looking back right now over the first two legs the first leg was the more impressive performance despite the fact that they were down to 10 men for half of that game because of what you saw in that half when they were down a man and also just some of the stuff they were creating and again maybe it's all just juxtaposed based on what we had most you know what we had previously seen from the team so it was a bigger step up going from last year to game one than going from game one to game two but I mean I'm still very optimistic about this team it's not like anything that we saw yesterday has me down in any serious way but I think that it is kind of uh, representative of some of the struggles that this team might have early on in the season, just trying to figure out um, like concrete passages of play, especially in the final third. I think you can kind of tell that some of that stuff isn't as well drilled. Like it's more the buildup and things like that, that are more well drilled in, into this team right now. And it's just going to take some time for these guys to gel together personally. And then also just tactically figure out some ways to break teams down. We're going to get into all of that in depth. We're going to get into all of your questions, but first Joe Patrick, we have to get in to business time. It's been 
Business time. Joe Patrick again, a one nothing win last night over Alo Wednesday. Jurgen Dom gets the goal. Barco gets the assist. <laughs> the uh-huh. glorious assist the that glorious he didn't want to have. That he but then he celebrated it like a goal. It was pretty funny. He like ran to the corner. <laughs> he, he celebrated like he had just finished like a, a 10K and was crossing the finish line. It was awesome. Both arms up, just like. <laughs> perfect. Perfect, perfect. It still counts. It still counts. Most importantly, Lane United is on to the quarterfinals of CONCACAF Champions League where they will face the winner of Saprissa and Philadelphia. That goes down tonight. I believe kickoff is set for 8 p.m. if you were listening to this on a Wednesday. But kind of like Joe hinted at, it was, it was a weird game. It was a weird game. Some folks came away from it thinking, no, 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 this is this is really, really solid. Some folks came away thinking maybe it was a little discouraging. I'm kind of in the middle. I think it just kind of was. And I think it was just kind of a, a next one of the, the small, tiny steps on the way to this team being a, a force that is going to be really difficult to deal with for the rest of the league. But, but a few things I want to kind of note right off the bat. And one is that at the very beginning of this one, I thought that the interplay between the fullbacks and the wings especially was very very solid and that's where you saw so many of Atlanta United's chances and half chances kind of coming in there they were able to get space on the wing pretty consistently and whether that was Brooks Lennon whether that was even Emerson Hyman came over a couple of times Marcelino Moreno was out there to steal some souls in his first start of the year it, it looks really really sharp and it's really just pretty to watch I was sitting behind the goal they were running towards and just to watch how that kind of interconnected and to see it on kind of a, a horizontal plane mm-hmm. was really really interesting to me and it's, it's really really pretty mm-hmm. to see honestly but th- those chances were there they, they were creating opportunities from the wing and the end line and normally when you do that enough you will get shots on target you will get shots that wasn't the case LDA was in a pretty low block the entire time I thought as well made it more difficult there there were little things there that were encouraging just didn't quite have the end product yeah I, I kind of asked Brooks Lennon about this after the game and it, it looked like he kind of it's, it's hard to tell sometimes because they have the mask on but it seemed like he was a little bit kind of um, irked by by my question because I was talking about kind of the lack of chances and shots even though you know I acknowledge that I think that the team did look pretty good moving the ball up into that final third like I thought the build-up play was very organized and they were actually finding those balls in some of those channels like you said in those like kind of half spaces between the wing and the middle uh, where you could see guys like Marcelino Moreno really causing causing positional um, problems for Alajuelense uh, so I thought it was good it just didn't seem like there was that last crisp um, like final ball and shot attempt in the box it seemed like there was a lot of confusion there was even one point where uh, Zeke had the ball at his feet in the box and he's like pointing trying to like direct people where to go so mm-hmm. he can like make the pass and like while he's standing like 12 yards from the mouth of the goal um which is just kind of bizarre the fact that one he would have that kind of time to be able to do something like that but i think it also speaks to just like the lack of um it's not even like hesitation i think it's just like players not kind of yet on natural instinct making making you know anticipating each other's movements zeke is the traffic controller is, is a new <laughs> yes. development this year but it's fascinating to me because he did that 
you're right. He did that near the box that one time. He also did it a few other times that I'm not sure that was maybe picked up on on camera because he was kind of off ball. Uh, there was a, a set piece scenario at the beginning of the game where Zeke was like screaming and pushing kind of people to the right spot and, and waving Emerson Hyman forward. And I think a lot of that had to do with maybe Gabriel Lince really focusing on the details of these set pieces. They took forever to get going huh, last night, but it was it was interesting to see how they kind of worked. That you could see what the the set kind of was. Um, and Atlanta as a team is going to really benefit, of course, if you can be able to to be a threatening team on set pieces. It's, it's they were really small last year. They're still kind of small. Um, it'll be interesting to see if any of that kind of design stuff will result in more of those goals. But I don't know, man. O- overall, it wasn't terrible. Yeah, it wasn't a disaster. Well, you know. I, I, so again, I'm doing player ratings kind of while the matches are going to be going on this year, as I did obviously after uh, Darren Eels gave me some crap about Barco's rating for the first one, and then so I was doing the ratings for this one, and it was very tough because I felt like I was giving every player the same rating. I think like almost every player had like a a five, a six, or a seven. I want to say, except for Joseph, he got my low rating. <laughs> I'm really coming at some of the controversial figures here. Um, I mean, we could talk about him, but uh, you know, I just thought it was interesting. I, like I had Barco higher, and then I instinctively like ticked him down at the very end. I don't know. I wouldn't again. I wouldn't kind of take a ton into the numbers that I end up putting on those names uh, in that column because it's just kind of spur of the moment type stuff. But I just thought it was interesting because it was like I thought Zeke was good, especially in that second half when he moved to central midfield. Uh, I thought he was much, much better. Mm-hmm. But um, but then it was like, how do I give a player a, a seven and a man of the match rating if the offense or the attack kind of sputtered for most of the night? Uh, you know, so um, I ended up just giving the man of the match to Miles Robinson, because if you argue that you have to sleep with that on your conscience that you're arguing against Miles Robinson. So it and what kind of monster, whatever, exactly. whatever Dane, such a thing, such a thing. Look, uh, from my perspective, just being there, I think you can kind of chalk the the lack of, of shots up to, to maybe a couple things. Like I said, the, the chances, the the step before creating an actual chance was there at a very similar to last week. It, it was there. But you look at maybe how they were marking Joseph out of the game. It seemed like a couple guys were on him in the box just about every single time. You keep in mind that Joseph is quite Joseph still yet it doesn't seem like I'm still waiting to see him jump again mm. he hasn't he hasn't quite gotten to that level uh where you are shocked that a human his size can get that high right right he, it, he he's like the sneaky good at headed goals he has been mm-hmm. so far in his MLS career and maybe I haven't quite seen him at full out sprint yet of course the thing about that though, I don't want to get people to I don't want people to get too mixed up with that because Joseph has never been a dude that's busting his ass the entire game game uh, not in the sense that you would normally see it not from someone like brooks lennon who is running up and down the entire right. time getting forward everything like that joseph is someone who has always busted his ass at the right times it's it's a very yeah. striker kind of thing where you know you know where to turn on the jets you know where to to make things happen you know when making those runs can cause issues and joseph is very very good at conserving energy that way and you see it from people all over the world who are some of the best strikers in the world don't get too concerned with that not yet not yeah, what you need to be concerned about is whether or not he can get to that high end speed when he is doing those short bursts and whether or not um, 
he can get the get the vertical he needs to, to make things happen. Well, what I worry about or like, I guess my concern with Joseph's fitness right now is more. I mean, I know that he's not going to be the Brooks Lennon type. And, uh, you know, it's kind of funny to think back to that where he won in 2018. He won uh, MLS MVP, Golden Boot. The team won MLS Cup, obviously. And I think that that year started with him like getting in a <laughs> kerfuffle in the uh, in the freaking <laughs> um, tunnel with a fan who was like, him crap for not running more mm. or something like that so that's always kind of been his thing but also I'm, I'm just kind of curious because in this Heinze system like you really need it's high pressure it's playing up high and maybe Joseph is still um in kind of Frank DeBoer mold where he's kind of not as aggressive pushing high up the field I mean I think you could see at times he knew he had to close down but I think that there is just a level of fitness that he needs to regain which will come over time and mm-hmm. uh and I think just you know I hope that his confidence and like the mentality of Joseph comes back relatively quickly as well although I think we discussed this on the last show that we did that I'm not overly optimistic about that happening relatively soon like I hear people be like well okay he'll need a month and then he'll be back or two months and then he'll be back um I don't like I I find it hard to believe that he's just like going to like come back in a snap like that you know like I feel like it's going to be this very slow gradual process where he might not be back to the guy that we um are accustomed to seeing until the end of the season maybe like And I don't know if he'll ever be the same guy he was in 2017, 2018, just from an athletic standpoint, just because he's several years older than that now. And 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 every player kind of naturally progresses and becomes less athletic as they get into their late 20s. I don't know exactly. Can't remember exactly how old he is right now. I think he's 27 ish. So he's still in his prime, of course. But um. I'm just being very, very patient with Joseph at this point right now, not really expecting anything. And I asked Gabriel Heinze about him after the game last night, and he pretty much said the same thing. He's like, we're not judging Joseph on his uh, what he did, good or bad, in the games right now. Right now, we're, they're just focused on getting him the minutes, getting him that confidence, uh, that time to build his confidence back. Which, I mean, you talked about getting him the minutes. I was kind of surprised to see him start in the first place. It was good. Uh, it was my, good that he yeah. was able to get that 65 in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't think we'll see that same thing on Saturday against Orlando, but I've been wrong before, like literally yesterday when I said on a national thing that Joseph was uh, not going to start. And then he did. did. Um, Let's keep kind of going around the field here and just kind of I think we can look at just about every single player and maybe take something away from from what happened here. Uh, We'll move over to the wing and look at Marcelino Marino. I think it's it's super interesting to see this shift, which we didn't see coming because Marcelino has been that kind of hybrid 8, 10, whatever you want to call it. He's a midfielder like in modern soccer. He's a midfielder. You should really maybe chill on the the whole numbers thing sometimes, but maybe that can be helpful. I don't know. Anyway, Teotihuacan. Football pointed this out, and I think it's just a great assessment of what it is. I, Gabby Hines, they figured out that Marcelino Reno can dribble past literally anyone in sight and said, no, 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 y'all are all idiots. Everyone who has ever coached Marcelino Moreno before this instance, he is a winger. I don't disagree right now. Yeah, he, he's an interesting player because he takes guys on so often. Like there was a time in the game last night where uh, he was taking a guy on and it was kind of like he doesn't do it with finesse necessarily. It's kind of like he'll like muscle his way past somebody kind of like a way that you would expect from uh, an aggressive central midfielder type of player. And so it was funny because it like took a little bit for him to kind of battle past this guy, but he eventually won the take on. 
And then there was another guy there and he was just like, screw it. I'm taking this guy on, too. <laughs> and then I think like the ball got knocked out of bounds or something like that. But that was, that was very like quintessential to me, Marcelino Moreno, where he's just going to like take on players who are in front of him. But he's a bit of a tweener to me because he is kind of not like a flair player in the sense of like he's going to be doing like crazy step overs and has this like aggressive first step, uh, you know, and, and doing kind of those classic winger things. But mm-hmm. also I think he can be very effective with his skill set in some of those spaces in the wide areas. Again, kind of in those half spaces, especially when he's got maybe more of a direct line um speedster like a Brooks Lennon or a George Bellow overlapping and providing that threat as well. The varying skill sets of all the wingers are interesting to me because normally when you think about a winger, they, they normally have a very specific kind of mold and everything like that. But you look at, I mean, even the difference between just someone as simple like Jurgen Dom and, and Marcelino, it's two very different styles mm-hmm. of getting around people and getting to the spaces on the wing and to the inline and everything like that. And I think we'll talk more about that when we kind of get to the halftime substitution, which I thought was super, super interesting. But Marcelino, when he is beating folks off the ball, I mean, it's it's so, so dangerous, especially in that first half when you had Brooks Lennon overlapping with him, making those runs. And of course, it's so interesting to watch the fullbacks shift centrally. And, yeah. and I'm not sure it really shows up too much, but when you're you're watching from the angle I was last night, again, on that horizontal plane, Georgian and Brooks were central midfielders sometimes, mm-hmm. essentially. It, it, it's crazy. It, it seems totally out of the normal, but that with the wingers are getting like Marcelino and then Dom and then Barco at times as well um, was wild to see and I think they're still kind of figuring out exactly how those rotations work and exactly how often those rotations should be happening I saw a few comments from folks that have, have studied Heinze saying that the rotations just weren't quite there yet but but that'll come and Marcelino murking five dudes at a time on the wing is, is gonna result in good things happening it was amazing to to watch him on that right side at the beginning of the game because the way the stadium was set up, the La Liga fans were were like right in that quarter where he was doing that. Hmm. And I'm sure they were saying terrible, terrible things to him, <laughs> but they were getting all sorts of fired up every time he he got a foul or won a foul or ruined some dude's life right there on the pitch. It was awesome. It was yeah. awesome. And I thought, yeah, I thought generally he was a threat. I mean, I know that um, I don't even know what rating I ended up giving him. I don't know if it was great rating, but I thought he was getting into dangerous spaces. It's again, it's just kind of the, the final ball, those final moments of, of the attacking play where once those get shored up, I think that you're going to see this team create a lot more good shots on goal. And Atlanta may just simply need to figure out how to get more folks in the box, mm-hmm, right? Because sure. as long as you're getting to those spaces, the chances will come it, again. It's the step before the chances. Well, that's what that's so interesting that you mentioned that because there was a moment in the game last night night where I was watching Barco when the team had the ball again in the final third like in and in the box and around the box and Barco is dropping he was like dropping deeper than almost anybody he was like right in front of the central midfielders and the reason was because he was trying to find space because the box was so congested he knew that if he just threw his threw himself up into that mess then there was no way he was going to be able to receive the ball to potentially um, make something happen so I understand why he was doing that but I also uh, am interested to see if um, there is any more directive from Gabriel Heinze to just be like hey just get yourself forward because you know when when, when Tata Martino was here uh, 
one of the I can pretty much guarantee the way that this game would have been would have played out where when Alo Huelenze is sitting back and sitting deep, um, he would just be like, get forward, get in the box, get crosses mm-hmm. in. And like, that's not really the way we like to think about Tata Martino and like this um, modern Argentine, you know, Bielcista type of manager. But that really was his kind of he was big on that. And um, yeah. I think that that was that's why you have struggles early in the season. It's like very hard. It's like the the hardest thing to do in soccer is to like break down a team centrally, especially and score goals. So I think that that's kind of just where Atlanta was running into trouble. I want folks to consider, too, that this may not have been a directive from from Gabby, but it could have been in the back of the players minds at the very least. They didn't need to score, you know, that's that's right. And and so, you know, that may be in the back of your mind. If you do get too far forward, you get caught out and you're maybe the reason that this time gets flipped on its head you know you don't want to be that person so maybe there was some hesitancy there I highly highly doubt Gabby was like be careful that just doesn't <laughs> seem to be in the MO at all but it could have been in the back of players minds as well we're, we're gonna shift wings though we're gonna check in on our buddy Zeke who we'll call him a winger for now but he did shift centrally in the second half um, Zeke again we got already talked about a little bit it's always kind of hard to figure out exactly what we're, we're getting from him because he is so involved but there are results that are very good there are results that are fascinating and there are results that are accidental assists <laughs> Zeke getting an accidental assist is is perfect <laughs> that was just a cherry on top of the whole whole thing and um, I just loved how like for a split second he was like damn it <laughs> well let's let's talk about this let's talk about Zeke shifting from from the wing to uh central midfield yeah. because it was very very apparent that was a, a move to open things up in a lot of sense I think Gabby was frustrated that things were so congested in that first half, especially towards the end. Um, so he brings a bar off, shifts Zeke central, brings on Jurgen Dam, and actually flipped Marcelino over to the left side, put Dam on the right, which I thought was interesting. Um, and Zeke and Dam were on the right, if yeah. that makes sense. And Heinze yeah. basically explained this by saying that Alejandro was just playing so deep and so compact centrally that mm-hmm. they needed more creativity in that central area of the field. And I, I think that not only did that move work tactically in the context of the game and what Alejandro was doing, but I also just tend to think that that is the best position for Ezekiel Barco. I, th- mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of look at him as a tweener as well in terms of his skill sets. Um, I've watched him. So in 20, what was it? 20, would it have been? No, it would have been 2018, early in 2018. We were still able to like watch some of training up close. Um, the way that they had media at Atlanta United's training ground situated, like we were still able to like basically be right outside the just like a glass barrier essentially between us and the training field. And I will never forget watching Ezekiel Barco in some of those training sessions run with the ball. It's like the most majestic thing ever. Like you just see the ball. It's like making these perfect when it when he touches it with his foot, like it wouldn't the revolutions wouldn't change. It would just it was beautiful. Um, But also so he's good in that sense on the wing. But on the downside, he's just like too too slow or too indecisive um, in key moments where he has to play the ball to to somebody and it really hurts the team. This is my thing where I was freaking out a bit last night and maybe mumbling some stuff under my breath. I can get away with that more when I'm socially distanced from other people in in the press corps. But there was a moment in transition again in transition where where Zeke was on the break. He had I forget who it was. I want to say emo out wide open on the left side and just did not play the pass and instead ran into traffic and I kind of lost my shit a little bit 
because again it comes back to that whole idea again the, the term ball stopper is just going to come up over and over again it's been a big matt doyle criticism of him for a while his ability to not see that key pass and we kind of like joked about it before you know because that one instance was so it felt arbitrary at the time but now that we're seeing it more and more and more it does kind of seem like zeke is lacking that instinct or, or maybe just the confidence to play that kind of final ball he figured out a little bit towards the end there was a couple of better transition moments but again we've seen it a few times in this first few games where um on the break he has not made the right choice mm-hmm. yeah and i don't know what the answer is in terms of like i don't think that he's incapable of playing these passes like i think he's trying right. to make the best decision that he can and trying to not you know play play a uh, ball that where he's going to lose it i think i want to offer a counterpoint in saying that he's trying to make the five best decisions he can exactly. all at the same time exactly that's a great way to put it yeah so and and what i still haven't put my finger on is why he seems to be better uh in a central area where it's like you would still think that you know the same kinds of indecisiveness issues would crop up no matter what position you're necessarily playing but maybe there's something about him being able to um find player when he's playing centrally he's more looking for the players in the in the wing on the wings that are in open space and it's easier for him to spot those balls and to play those in confidence to play those passes so maybe that's one of the reasons but he just certainly does seem better and the team looks more threatening when he's playing in a central position completely agree completely agree Let, let's move back a step let's go ahead and talk about we'll go to george bellow uh, i thought george maybe didn't get his forward as i would have liked maybe just didn't have the opportunities to get as forward as i would have liked but defensively last night i thought he put in a really solid shift especially towards the end of the second half where they were really really trying to to go after that wing it seemed like but george was in a better position this time he didn't get burned like we saw a few times in the first leg and did a nice job overall yeah it was a gritty gritty performance from george he it did seem like they were doing a lot of their attacking down that right side and i don't know if that's because they have better quality down that side or if they were targeting george specifically as like a way uh, uh, space that they could exploit but yeah i mean i thought he was pretty good um especially just like throwing his body around uh he was like doing a lot of like slide tackling to like you know stop block a passing lane or or you know just to regain possession of the ball and i thought he was generally good he it looked like he was having some trouble with his footing he slipped one time in particular that really created a chance for alohalense but uh he he did well enough that Kennesaw turf is tricky. It's that it weird is. like hybrid artificial and you could see last night that they were playing a few passes and it would like skip, you know, yeah. and they would just throw their hands up and go, OK, whatever. It's, There's nothing we can do about that. It looks gorgeous on TV and, and, it even, and it's extremely well manicured field. Um, but I have heard from players who have played on it just saying that it's extremely slippery and I think it's gotten a little bit better. But like especially when they first started playing on that field and I think it was 2018, it was really bad. Um, it's like one of those like hybrid surfaces that is like partially grass and interwoven with some artificial turf but uh yeah i mean back to george i mean i thought he was he was decent i, I thought he was a little bit better mm-hmm. in the away leg but i mean i think that it, that's just kind of the the way it's going to go for fullbacks and um sometimes you just have to have a game where you just do a little bit more of that dirty work and he did it well yeah if someone goes back and watches george and just like a replay of this game and figures out why maybe he wasn't getting as many touches on the wing that'd be kind of good to know maybe that should be one of us i don't know i don't have the time <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Um, but overall, hopefully it's a little bit of a confidence boost defensively. I also want to, I want to shout out extra time radio and our buddy, Matt and Weeby and every 
everyone like that. They did a great interview yeah. with uh, George. Go check that out on Extra Time as well. I had to laugh, though, as soon as I heard his voice. His voice just keeps getting deeper and deeper, and it's weird <laughs> to, to watch someone you cover grow. Grow up. Become <laughs> from a boy to a man. He is like mm-hmm. he is noticeably like bigger, stronger. He is getting bigger all yeah. the time, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. He's getting footballer's legs. You know, you know sure. I, <laughs> I do want to say, too, there was one moment last night where George was kind of the back line kind of got compact and the ball got sprung out wide to a La Liga player and George's short burst it was like a linebacker hitting the A-gap kind of thing but it was so (laughs) explosive it was immediately noticeable I don't think anyone else has the team uh, really has that kind of ability to to get low and short burst out (laughs) to a guy like that it was awesome to watch Um, the athleticism is is very real we'll we'll flip sides to another very athletic human Uh, Brooks Lennon uh, I don't know how much we want to add on this I thought again he was very good getting forward the the overlapping play was really really solid uh, final ball wasn't quite there yet it hopefully will be but once again Brooks Lennon keeps putting it in a damn shift mm-hmm. up and down the whole time uh, never stopped running it seemed like was was really really solid I think he's been one of Atlanta's best players maybe Absolutely. their best or second best player in these last two games I mean I think he's just been so so good and it's really impressive for a guy who you know he's been playing right back for a while now um, but it's, he's still somewhat I don't want to say again I don't want to say new to it but he's still just kind of developing himself at the position so especially just like the defensive instincts and thankfully for him he hasn't had a ton to do again they, it seems like they've been targeting uh, Bellows side for the most part in both of the legs but um, he creates a lot and again just the energy that he brings is kind of irreplaceable um, and it's going to be very hard for Ronald Hernandez to, to yeah. fight his way into this team if Brooks Lennon keeps playing this way I kind of want to shift this in just talking about the back line as a whole of course Miles and Anton again very very good and I wrote this in the mothership last night that you already have a back line that I think is among the best in the league if you were taking that as a back four with Bello, Walks, Robinson and Lennon and then even you have Santiago Sosa who we'll talk about in a second shielding that that is an extremely solid spine that is an extremely solid back line in general and defensive setup in general with the added ability of those guys to get forward right Mm -hmm. You throw in a DP center back into the equation. This is maybe it's probably the best. It's a top three spine in the league at the very least. If you look at that number five position with Sosa and the two center backs, and then you look at the two fullbacks, this is maybe the best defensive unit. And I'm so scared to say this because I I haven't looked exactly at every single teams and assess them against Atlanta, but that is, that is damn good. And what's important about that to me is that when this team is struggling to score while they're struggling to score if you can just keep a clean sheet every game it's gonna make those growing pains a lot easier to suffer through yeah I'm kind of I'm backing off of uh my prediction that I made a few weeks ago when we were kind of previewing the season I said that this team was going to score a bunch of goals but also give up a ton of goals and they were going to have games where they lose these big games it's becoming harder for me to see them having games where they give up four or five goals because even when they even when they are maybe out of sync and being a little bit over aggressive offensively again we talked about maybe trying to force the issue on in terms of rotations and and just having more fluidity in the team that can leave you exposed at times you're gonna have players like miles robinson and alan franco specifically who are like very speedy center backs and are going Mm -hmm. to be very good in those kinds of recovery situations so i think that even though there will be times where atlanta does leave themselves exposed i think that those two players in particular are going to be like specialized in stopping 
preventing some of those situations from resulting in goals for the opposition. So, um, and we talked about, you know, Ronald Hernandez making his way in the team, you know, uh, Alan Franco is going to be in this starting 11, but it's going to be very interesting to see how quickly they incorporate him when Anton walks is playing this way, because I don't, I don't mm-hmm. really want to go swept under the rug, how good that he's been in these two games. I think that he's done everything that Gabriel Heinze would have asked of some, someone like him to do uh, in terms of not just defending, but playing with the ball on the, on the left side, not his natural side. I just think he's been really, really impressive. And, you know, is there a way that you could incorporate or that Gabriel Heinze may want to incorporate all three of those center backs? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they work out out, out that situation. Yeah, I mean, they very well could. I'm not quite sure how the mechanics of that would work yeah. in, a, in like a 3-5-2 or anything like that, or even a 3-4-3. Uh, but no, I mean, 1-2-3 at center back, that is as good as anything in the league. And it may be better, maybe better. That I mean, unreal, honestly, honestly. But it helps when you have a player like Santiago. Sosa right in front of you and able to drop back in and show that I once again thought he was very very good not as solid as in that first leg he didn't get the chance to make those switches that were so intriguing and engaging uh, in this one but in defense his positioning is just solid he is extremely athletic he is bright his head for the game is very very sharp you can tell and his technical ability is there as well and only has room to improve I'm just kind of blown away by how good he's been it was an interesting game to watch Santiago Sosa play because he was definitely in a different role or he was asked to do a different thing than he was in the first leg where in the first leg every time Atlanta United had the ball he was dropping in as the deepest lying player on the field behind the two center backs who were who he would split and in this one when Atlanta had was in buildup it was just the two center backs back and he was playing in front of them for for most of the time there were times then he would drop in uh, probably just to try to see if it would create any disruption in Alohuelense's shape, but um, I think that actually took away from him a little bit, and just in terms of he wasn't able to get himself on the ball as much and kind of um, impose himself on the game quite as much as he was in the first leg. You know, I kind of referred to him in the first leg as being like a quarterback who's like has the ball in every play and is kind of setting up everything. He didn't really mm-hmm. have that role to me in this one, but he was still very effective in what he was able to do. And I think that him playing a little bit higher up the field, to your point, allowed him to be a little bit more aggressive defensively in terms of winning the ball back and doing those kinds of things. And it's awesome when it happens because he's such a I don't have the good terminology for it that's appropriate for our PG rated show but just adding him and Nabara in there to ruin things. Yeah. Tenacious. Mess yeah. things up. Tenacious. There we go. Much better. Much better than, than the curse words I had. <laughs> um you know, it uh, it's a whole different midfield, it feels like, with those guys. Mm-hmm. It, it changes so, so much to just have folks who are able to clatter into folks who are able to, you know, foul at the right time and make smart decisions like that. It's so fun to watch. And again, watching for like I did from that horizontal plane of existence, I, I, I missed some things, right? Like I couldn't quite tell exactly how deep the, the low block for uh, Alawense was or anything like that. But watching Sosa move side to side and his positioning, there was... Uh, a few times in particular where um, they decided, LDA decided that they were going to try to, to hit and transition this over the top. They were going to try to hit centrally because when Again, when Sosa steps up and the center backs are wide, they're spaced narrow. If you can go over the top, you have folks isolated. You can maybe even get a numbers advantage with just two folks back there. So if you somehow end up with with three folks going forward, that is that advantage uh, because Sosa has moved forward. But again, Miles and Anton swept it up. But a few times Sosa came over too as well and read the play really, really well. The Renowitz-esque even and cut the ball off. Yeah, and I just want to emphasize again, not only do Santiago Sosa and Franco Abar 
Kamara both show that they have quality to be, you know, obviously they're going to be players who are hugely influential in this team throughout the season. They are 21 years old and 19 years old. Yeah. They are both younger than Machop Chol. Like they, (laughs) Uh uh, you know, it's, it's like crazy to think about how young they are. They are two of the youngest players on this roster. George Campbell is 19. Uh, Jackson Conway is 19. That's the kind of age we're talking about. And they're already, um, able to be this good. Like I, I just have very high hopes for both of them and they both have so much that they can still improve. Like that's what their age shows is that they're still just very young into their careers. And, um, to already be displaying this quality is, is uh, very exciting. It's extremely encouraging. And we'll talk more about Franco right now. And the fact that, uh, him and Anderson Hindman have the same haircut, same body type. They are practically indistinguishable in, in every way, except for the number. It's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. <laughs> I thought Franco was good though for the time he was in again that shift happened at the substitution in the second half and I think that was just confidence that was not a knock on a bar that was just confidence from Gabriel Lainze that yeah. this team could push forward a little more and they very easily could it, it was clear to see that and of course it opened things up a little more but even still it, he felt confident enough that the other players could control things and they did they did it was the right move and I think that you know yeah and I don't think this, this is what Gabriel Heinze had in mind when he was making that decision but I think that it helps Franco Barra be fresher for the game at the weekend as well. Um, Obviously, you know, playing a couple games beforehand, especially what do they have? It's kind of like a short week for them. Basically, they've got what uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, between the games. So uh, I think that will be good for him. I I will be interested to see if maybe Abara starts over Emerson Hyman in this game because of that. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm very curious to see what the next starting lineup looks like because of the conversation that we had with Barco. It's like, whether do you continue to start Barco on the wing and adjust during the game if you need to, or do you just start him centrally and add another winger and maybe remove either an Emerson Hyman or a Franco Ibarra. But yeah, I mean, I thought he played well. Um, he's just, he seems consistent um, because he just gives you that energy. And that, mm-hmm. again, the tenacity that you want out of a central midfielder. Real quick, we'll hit on Emerson and then we'll kind of talk a little bit more about Orlando. We said this was going to be a short show and now we're already <laughs> sitting on like 40 minutes. Um, Emerson, Emerson, I enjoyed it a few times last night. He drifted kind of into a wider channel and he took some dudes on. There was a couple times in the box where he did even a couple steps overs and got around some folks and made some things happen i thought he was more aggressive mm-hmm. going forward and then from there it was kind of a, a typical emerson game where I, I didn't quite see too much of him but he certainly didn't ruin anything yeah he was really bright early i thought he had a really uh, a decent combination play with ezekiel barco early in the game and i think it resulted mm-hmm. in him mm-hmm. having a shot a, a decent shot that i think was blocked um but yeah i think it was a good game from from Heinemann. he's he's a player that is just very interesting because again we talked about this on our last podcast but you just don't notice him a lot which is um you know good and bad i think for the role that he plays not 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 bad honestly um it, it's it's good that you don't notice a player like him you know making obvious mistakes cuz in the in the position that he plays you just it's very crucial to avoid making mistakes like that's that's the number one priority and he doesn't seem to do it that often he's pretty well rounded player in terms of like he just gives you just enough of everything but i think that also that's why we've had so much trouble um over time trying to figure out exactly what he is because he's just an all-rounder um no clear um like positive qualities that stand out over others is just like kind of a jack of all trades kind of player 
It'd be interesting to see, like you said, if he starts against Orlando, and I think we can kind of move into to now kind of looking forward to that. Happy hate week, y'all. Um, <laughs> I feel good. I feel things about it. I'm fascinated to see what happens both on the internet and on the field now that both teams are actually kind of good. It's the first time that's happened. It, it could break the website as we know it entirely. It could break MLS as we know it entirely. Well, I want you to kind of give a breakdown because I my knowledge of MLS teams and the wider league in general is much less than yours you're you're the expert here in this area so can you kind of give us the breakdown of what to expect from orlando coming into this game because honestly i don't really know a ton about them not quite an expert i'm more like in in second year of like a master's degree (laughs) i'm still working on moving towards my doctorate i think but i can tell you this uh orlando is a very very solid attacking team you should know this by now what would be interesting to see is they are going to be missing mauricio Pereira. that's their good really really talented number 10 who kind of pulls the strings for him instead of Andres Perea, who you may recognize from that U23 team and the Olympics that that did not make the Olympics, uh, will probably take over in midfield for that. Other than that, though, you're kind of looking at a team that is, well, you know, missing Daryl DK, but you add in someone like Alexander Pato, who will probably start at the number nine for them. And he's coupled on the wings by, by Nani and Chris Mueller, the money badger, both of those. That's the two, uh, besides LAFC, that's probably the best wing combination it, in the entire league. It still blows my mind that I'm about to see Atlanta United playing against Alejandre Pato, who was one of the first <laughs> signings that I ever made in the first football manager that I ever played in Football Manager 11 before Atlanta United was a thing and when Alejandre Pato was like one of the best players in the world. It's crazy. And the Nani's just kind of hanging out there too, which is which yeah. is wild. <laughs> Uh, but no, they're, they're, this is going to be a far greater test for that back line that I've been hyping up than anything Alec Wednesday could have possibly thrown at him. This is one of the best attacking teams in the league. It is year two under Oscar Pereja. Uh, it is a team that is already very, very confident in its ability to get forward. But then you throw in a player like Pazzo, you bring in an extra help with a, a new winger in Sylvester Vanderwater, who played for Heracles, I think is how you say it, uh, but had a good scoring record there. There, add some extra things to what they're trying to do and still just kind of looking at uh, the two deep here they're still very very deep in attack the back line is what it is you've got Huan on the right side who is extremely fast he's one of the fastest players in the entire league it's going to be super interesting to see how he goes after I think it'd be George mm, you know yep. it, it, George is going to have to deal with Huan and Chris Mueller those are two extremely athletic extremely explosive dudes and if he is not in those right positions and if he is caught out a couple of times they're going to be able to torch us on that side and I imagine they'll go with the same kind of thing where they attack on that side and see what they can get out of two very talented players and I guess to that point too it will be interesting to see if Alan Franco plays for Atlanta United because Mm -hmm. um, this this would be the game it would be because of his speed and he is fresh i mean uh, he's coming off of covid so he hasn't played in a couple weeks but you know he was playing matches and regularly training before then so it's not like catching up on fitness is going to be too much of an issue for franco and he's been training uh, all week since he joined the team so um yeah i'll I'll be interested to see if they do if gabriel heinze does end up inserting him just so we can cover some of those spaces in behind george exactly exactly i would not be surprised if atlanta loses this one at all Mm -hmm. right now just because again is do you know who's 
the favorite? Like, who's the betting favorite in this game? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't. I don't. I would imagine his betting blog. Orlando. I would imagine so. I would imagine so, especially at home. It's gonna be gonna be something for sure. I, I'm just interested again to see how the back line reacts. I'm interested to see what Orlando looks out with looks like with uh, both DK and Pereira not available. Pereira, Pereira is so crucial to what they do a lot of the time. Um, I'm not sure Andres Pereira kind of can make up for that, but we'll see. We'll see, and we'll see what you guys had to ask about this one and more when we go to the questions after this quick break. And before we get back into the show, did just want to shout out once again our partners at Lucid FC for bringing you this episode of Five Stripe Final. They've got a new shop out um, in Buckhead. It's right behind the Whole Foods there. Uh, the address is 3209 Paces Ferry Place Northwest, if you want to write that down or Google it or whatever. But I cannot wait to see what they get done there because I think that that shop is going to be um, experiential, to say the least. These guys are really creative, and uh, I think that it will be more than just a, a place to sell clothes. So that would be really cool. But you can obviously also order from them online at lucidfc.us. They've got their new spring-summer 2021 collection out now, uh, which you can buy right now online, called This is a Modern World. It's really cool stuff. The collection brings nostalgic, psychedelic party nights of the past to the new modern lifestyle. Uh, I've checked it out on, on their shop. It looks really cool. The products on this line will be sold exclusively to directly to you on the Lucid FC website. That's where you get it. Uh, they've got unisex sizes from extra small to extra, extra large. And uh, price points from $8 to $380. So there's something in there for everybody. Uh, and it has just launched. And it's really cool. Definitely would recommend everybody go check out uh, lucidfc.us and maybe pick up yourself some, uh, some Modern World clothes. What a break. You guys had questions. We'll start with this one from Kevin from Kirkwood, who asks, is Emerson Heinemann now Dom's biggest fan? I think we found our new rage target. And he brings up a good point in that if Jurgen Dom had not accidentally been gifted a goal, he was really bad. (laughs) Really bad. It was funny because there were two times Dom was on a breakaway. And the first time he just took way too long and never really made a decision and and let the chance go by. Uh, And then the next time, it was the complete opposite where he had a great run coming from Lissandra Lopez who he could have played through on goal and said he took like a left-footed shot from not a great spot and uh, I, don't, I can't remember what happened to it but um, but I mean I will say time, it, sorry go ahead no there was just one time where he just started dribbling backwards into nothing <laughs> and gave the ball away and it was all it was that huge chance Alahuense had that Rocco actually had to work for for the first time all night and it just went wide just went wide <laughs> Please calm down, Jurgen. I will say the speed is quite nice to have coming off the bench in the second half. Like it is not it is noticeable pace. Um, and if you're going to get up against a tire, like a, that's not what a, what a tired fullback who's been out there for an hour would want to see coming onto the field. And you have to react to it in some way. You can't just ignore it, even if if Dom's quality isn't phenomenal on the ball. You have to react to it. He reminds me of the kid Fulton. Fulton. <laughs> from yeah. Mighty Ducks, from Mighty Ducks just, Fulton Reed. Hit, yes, thank you. Who can just hit the ever living heck out of the puck and can like break glass and stuff. You don't necessarily have to worry about it too much. He's only gonna like hit the net like once every twenty tries or whatever. But you kind of have to do something about it, right? Like whether that's get out of the way or, or whatever. So Jurgen Dam comes on and just kind of makes the team, the other team, do something different. There you go. That's that's the whole bit. I do think Emerson is is pleased though that there's another uh, target for people's 
rage. Yeah. I think we'll hold off too much though until we see your sure. DM's contract. Um, Jonathan from Twitter. <laughs> Good point. Asks, <laughs> having quality coaches like Tata, FTB ish, and now Heinze, if Barco doesn't produce, is it harder to sell him since these even a couple great coaches couldn't develop and help him reach his potential? And we kind of hit on this before. We won't spend too much time on this, but this is the year. It has right, nothing to do for, with the coaches. He just has yeah. to produce, like in that, general. That's it. Doesn't matter. That's it. Make something but happen. Yes, he does need do to it on purpose. He does need a big year this year if he wants to make that move. There you go. Um, Philip Jeffcoat asks, I was only able to watch half the game, but it appears Atlanta struggled to move the ball up the middle of the field. This is a good and good. This is this good question, Jeff. Coat. Uh, up the middle <laughs> of the field. <laughs> Problem. <laughs> we saw. Ooh. A problem we saw last year. Do you think this is an issue we will continue to see again this year, or am I just looking too much into it? Thanks, Philip. <laughs> it's a it's a good question because again, all those chances were coming from the wing, but but again, just want to point out there was a low block, there was a very central block, I guess you could say for for La Liga last night. I, I'm not too worried about it yet, just based on the nature of the game. If they can't do it, maybe against an Orlando team that's really really open. And maybe then I'll be worried. Yeah, exactly. I think it's the right assessment from Mr. Jeffcoat. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's pretty early still. And this team is still just kind of working through some preseason rust and and just gelling and things like that. So um, again, like with early FTB, I will be saying, you know, let's be patient with some of the, with these guys. Um, and I, I have full confidence that this team's going to score a bunch. We do just want to hit on, though. I mean, you mentioned like with FTB, there there are far more reasons for optimism, I think, with, with what we're seeing so far than those first few days first few games with FDB in my opinion just based on the rotation just based on the talent just based on the the setup of the system agreed yeah agree okay just wanted to make sure uh Nick asked who is the actual captain of Atlanta United seems to be Guzan but I think we'd all enjoy it if it was Joseph people are like and Nick I, I don't mean to bash you or anything here but people are like super into this whole captain thing <laughs> y'all they literally throw the armband around half the time <laughs> like if someone gets subbed out they're like passing it to each other like it's just not it's not a big deal <laughs> i think like who's already worn it this season brad Heinemann, joseph lissandro uh-huh. um there's a, somebody else oh and miles got it i think uh at, yeah. at the end of this game so well, that's already like five or five or they six players. <laughs> Every time the captain gets subbed out, they should literally do like the uh, the throwing of the bouquet at a wedding. Everyone should line up and someone should throw <laughs> yes, it behind the head. Yes, that would be that would be amazing. That's, that's about the level of of actual care with this. It's a bit different when you have someone like Michael Parkhurst and other leaders who can be a connection to the coaching staff and everything like that on the field, though. Yeah, uh, it, it is kind of funny ju- to juxtapose it, though, with Frank, who is like Frank was like, Brad is our captain. Vice captains are blank like this person, this person and this person. It was like very uh, it was like very structured, <laughs> uh, which is like com- makes sense and completely different now, it seems. Um, yeah. If I was a player, I would say, like, let's just let's just screw with all the fans and just like give it to somebody different every single time. <laughs> hand it to a fan. I don't know. <laughs> just like <laughs> make it hand it to a ball boy. There you go. He is now the captain of our team. <laughs> Please relay all complaints to this small child with a ball. 
Jacob asks, seeing a lot of talk about ATL lacking someone that can play that final killer pass, do you agree? And if so, how's this team overcome that and create more high quality scoring chances? Jacob, ask a good question here. Uh, and, and my thought has always kind of been, it's either going to be a, a player that steps up or the system is going to have to uh, raise everyone else up to a point where those final balls are coming. And right now the system hasn't quite done it, but it seems like it's going to be the system and not just one dude stepping up. Mm-hmm. It's going to take some time um, as far as being able to play that final killer pass. I do kind of wonder as well. That's been my thing from the very beginning. You remember my hot take prediction was that this team was going to score less than that 2019 FDB team. Yeah, and simply because I just don't quite know where the final product is still coming from. Yeah, especially with Joseph Hurt and a whole bunch of other guys who, again, only Joseph Lissandro Cubo are the only players who ever scored more than four goals at the top flight in any in any league, mm. any league on this team. You know, yeah. it's a worry. I think that like when you look at the game yesterday, it's kind of I, I, I kind of see it as almost like a fallacy that there was there's going to be like some player that can play some magic amazing ball. magic pass yeah, yeah that unlocks the defense and creates a great goal scoring opportunity for Joseph uh, because just the way that the team that Alejandro was set up it just does not it's not conducive to something like that happening really what you want to see what you'd I'd prefer to see in, in a game like this is just um, more of like a peppering of lesser chances like you're just not you're just not realistically going to break through and have these amazing chances to score when a game when a team is set up like that but you can still beat them in other ways uh, which we saw again Tata Martino do all the time and I think that there is the quality in this team to to play those final balls I just think it's so early in the season it's just players still just trying to figure out what each other are doing so which we've talked about a bunch already in this show so I'm not I'm not worried all right those were the long questions these are the quick questions Joe Patrick this is rapid fire Joel asked how nice was it for you guys to be back at an actual live sporting event last night for Braves it was awesome I was not at the game last night at Lenny United game but for Braves it's awesome just like seeing all the people you can really feel the the positive energy of just everybody happy to be there yeah everyone is like in just a really good mood like you feel like no one's gonna like get into a fight or anything like that (laughs) in these games just because it is kind of so positive it felt good it felt good Joel Tommy asked is Joe Patrick the dread god of this podcast pretty sure he hyped up Eric Lopez so much that we will never see him again Eric Lopez is the guy who's going to be playing in those those line splitting unlocking the defense type of passes (laughs) the key the key to it all don't want to don't want to put that out too early they don't don't want to let Orlando see him you know they're just waiting for Orlando and then yeah secret weapon Pierce asks Mulraney or Dom for right wing if Barker goes centrally like the second half on Saturday I am going to say Mulraney I'll say Eric Lopez God damn it. Joel asks, is Lennon a robot? He was pushing forward more and tracking back faster than Dom last night. His stamina is incredible. Joel, why would you why would you ask that, Joel? Why would we let's just Joel, he's he's not a he's not a he's not a robot <laughs> or anything like that. Please please stop asking questions, Joel. You motherfucker. Okay. <laughs> Kyle asks, why can't we score? Uh Kyle, the answer is plate tectonics. Uh Santa asks, who will be the number two goal scorer on our squad this season? Great question. Uh, Marcelino. Hmm. I will say, um, I feel like I got to stick to my guns and say Ezekiel Barco, which I think is a little bit. I I think that that's like, uh, I can't think of the word. I lost it. (laughs) Rapid fire. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay, that was it. Controversial. Thank you for- Controversial. Yeah, rapid Good fire. Lord, that we need to end this thing. Rapid fire. Thank you. Shout out Santa United. I always love a good question from Santa. Uh, Joe, any final thoughts before we... Oh, I have a final thought. Go check out our interview with yes. Darren Eels on the Patreon. It's unlocked for everyone. If you're listening to the free show, you can just go to our Patreon. I think it's actually in the feed as well. It's you in this feed as well. As well. Yep. Um, but we also have a whole bunch of other stuff coming on Patreon. You're going to want to subscribe, especially for this next interview happening in about three hours or so. Oh, crap. We should probably prepare for that. <laughs> um, yeah. So go check that out. Go check out our Patreon. Five Star Funnel. Great on stuff Patreon, happening Patreon. on the Patreon. I, like, I, even you want to join on as soon as you can, because there are so many good guests that will still be great listens. Like I, I'm kind of jealous of people who would just like get to go back and listen to like Parkhurst and Bobby Boswell and all this stuff for the first time. I wish I could relive those conversations for the first time. Anyway, my final <laughs> thought is um, Orlando is a favorite in the game over Atlanta. Orlando's oh. a plus 105. Atlanta is a plus 265. So pretty big difference there. All right, y'all. Happy hate week. Enjoy it. Go, go, go get some sun. Go, go stretch your legs a little bit. It's going to be, it's going to be a lot this weekend. A lot of couch sitting, a lot of MLSing, a lot of Atlanta Uniteding. It should be fun. It should be fun. We'll be back to talk about it next week. Until then, have a great weekend. We love you. I'm Corva Coleman. Bye, y'all. Completely arbitrary internet content piece.